welcome to more to come pw comic world's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing recorded once again at the pw offices in new york city i'm calvin reed senior news editor of publishers weekly editor of pw comics world and editor of the fanatic pw's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com, and you can find us on, well, Twitter for the moment. Uh, you know, it's up <laughs> yeah. at this moment, but for now, That's we're at, now. at PW Comics World. Uh, we might be exploring other options, I mm. guess, as we get going, huh, guys? Mm. Yeah. More to come on that. Yeah. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcast, and on Stitcher. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And you can find our podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. We're syndicated just about everywhere. And don't forget, you can let us know what you think of the podcast on almost all of these platforms by giving us a rating or a thumbs up or some kind of communication uh Tweet at us, email at us, do a thing. Yeah. Let us know how we're doing because we love to hear from our listeners. All right. This week on More to Come, comics industry turmoil. Will creators get paid? Where have I heard that before? (laughs) All right. NFT royalty controversy. Is Webtoon eclipsing manga? Uh, And great. Caesar's ghost. What's (laughs) happening at dc studios <laughs> oh, no seriously what's happening yeah, no, at dc yeah. studios we're gonna talk about it <laughs> all right uh you know uh, what, what, what didn't we have a discussion about you know what is it a glut is it not a glut is yeah. it you know are we in well we've been alluding to a looming reckoning i think for a few months now uh, you know a market correction a market perhaps. correction yeah uh, and uh you know it's happening in the book industry i mean book sales have really gone downhill uh since i believe it started in october when they started to really uh, yeah there's go been down. there's definitely been some retrenchment i don't know what all the numbers are i mean i think sales are still above pre-pandemic levels yes. but they're but yes. they're going you know but there are there's and, some differences and there's going. a lot of things that soared during the pandemic that are unsoaring now because people are doing things they're going out they're they're leaving the house. They're doing activities. They're catching COVID uh, again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly understandable. I mean, I know. Uh, yeah. So it just looks like, uh, you know, they're dropping like flies here. I mean, we're just yeah. so many rumors and things going on and uh, just, boy, yeah. oh, boy. Well, but, we've talked about uh, the, the likelihood of a market correction. Yeah. Uh, is it a glut? Uh, we're certainly in a, in a, in a special time and a growth in sales and comics. But, um, there's a lot of comics heading into the marketplace. It's a much bigger marketplace, Uh but that doesn't mean it's also a very complicated marketplace that's still dealing with all kinds of issues around, uh, supply chains, Uh uh, inflation. Uh, and, um, there are some casualties out there. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of this really is, who are these books for? Now, it is funny that, I mean, we're going to get to the details in a moment, but it is interesting that, you know, webtoons, which we're also going to talk about, are just expanding and expanding and expanding. And how many webtoons can there be about romance or about awkward high schoolers? Well, I mean, to be fair, webtoons come in many, many other formulas than that. For example, how many webtoons can there be about arranged marriages and fantasy yes, worlds? Yes, yes, but, yes. But um, I, I think we – I don't know. This is not the first time this has happened. I mean, obviously, every time the tune remains the same and the lyrics are a little different. Yeah. But, you know – when something new takes off in comics, there's a glut of people trying it out, and then there's a weeding back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we are starting to hit the weeding back. Well, then that's how. I mean, that's how pre-market. It's, it's natural. That's just, <laughs> it's that's natural. just how any boom market works. And, yeah. and we're gonna, as we talked about this, we're gonna see it in several different markets. Uh, and it's just, it's just really natural that the activities that soared during the pandemic are gonna slow down. Uh, and I don't think any of this is the end of comics, the no. death of comics. It's not even the death of 
you know, some of these companies. I'm yeah. sure some of them will come back, but, um, you know, we're just seeing, we're seeing an evolution. The economy is a little uncertain right now. And, uh, you know, it's just accountability. Right. Well, so the biggest thing, I guess this all kicked off. I, I mean, I have to caveat. I'm sort of a little bit of the story, which I'll get to in a minute, but kind of kicked off last week. There's been a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of uh, vague tweeting and vague booking about uh, creators talking about being owed money. And um, so then last week, uh, Alex DeCampi, who really loves to just lay it out there, uh, she just retweeted somebody who was saying they hadn't been paid. She says, it's Aftershock. And, uh, that is, it's, it's pretty well known that Aftershock has not been paying its bills too regularly because, and I know this look because they have been an advertiser on the beat and they owe the beat some money. So disclosure there. I don't want to, um, this is kind of the canary in the comic it shop. Is. Yes, the canary <laughs> in the comic shop. But, uh, yeah. you know, we don't know now. Uh, they did release a statement. Um, about, I mean, there's lots of tweets about lots of people not yes. be paying. I mean, as yes, I said, obviously. I know, uh, Brent Schenker, a uh, good friend of mine at Graphic Policy also wrote a story where he said he hadn't got paid. So, uh, they did release a statement. It says the truth of the matter is that the company's addressing late payments as outstanding funds owed to the company come in. Yes, we know. We know. I'm sorry. I had to. Yeah. There are no non-payments. Everyone who's owed money will be paid. We recognize our obligations and consider creator compensation our number one priority. We apologize for the situation and are making our best efforts to rectify it as quickly as possible. Well, you know, I'm glad. It's nice that they released this statement. Yeah. The check is in the mail. The check is in the mail. The question is, will the money come in faster than new debts go out? Well, I'm hearing, I tried to dig into this and I'll just, again, in the spirit of full transparency, uh, a lot of these slowdowns in advertising have affected me because I, you know, I run the beat. That's my livelihood and or my main livelihood. And we do rely on advertising and a lot of my advertisers have either dropped out or not paid their bills. So, you know, I've been searching for new revenue streams. And, uh, investigating some of them and finding out some interesting stuff as I go through this. Um, so. It's a learning process. Yeah, it's a learning process. So, um, yeah. I mean, on the optimistic side, and (laughs) and all of this has to play out. I mean, uh, I I assume we're going to see a lot of publishers who are, uh, hope to reschedule payments, delay payments, um, negotiate payments downward, um, uh, we're hearing about some restructurings that are going on. Some people are responding, um, publicly. I think that's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, we've also heard, for instance, that, uh, heavy metal. Well, well, let's. Among um, numbers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's go down the list here because in this whole aftershock, um, tweet thread, uh, it also emerged that valiant. Yeah, so, and then we have one more. Uh, this one looks pretty bad. Uh, AMC Publishing. I think we've talked about this a few times. So this was another little unicorn line. Uh, just one person. This is, mm. like of all of these, this is really the most unicorny, I'd have to say. Although, uh, Dead Reckoning was also pretty unicorny. But, uh, uh, basically Mike Zagari, a, who's pub- publishing, who's worked at Marvel, he worked at Disney, he worked at Aftershock, actually. Very, very experienced, um, publishing, uh, exec. And he got a job at AMC, and what did he do when he got there? He started a line of graphic novels, so they, and, and kind of pop culture books. They had a little packaging. I think they were really just packaging books, because I know one of them got put out by uh, other publishers, but they had picked up some kind of languishing uh, projects that were just kind of hanging out there. I know they had one by Brendan Fletcher and Tula Lote, that was a new book that was coming, and then they picked up something from Stephen King. They they did do like a creep show. They did like a, mm. a new edition of Creep Show, um, around Creep Show. And uh then they had Kirk Hammett from Metallica was doing and then a book that Kelly Sudakonic and Bill Sinkevich had yeah. called Parisian mm. White that they'd been working on for a long time. It seems to be one of those Moby Dick uh cursed <laughs> projects yeah. that every time it gets announced the publisher goes under. So so anyway, Mike also got laid off. Uh he's a great guy. I'm sure he'll get a new job in no time. And, uh, you know, this really does leave the whole fate of AMC publishing 
uh, in doubt because he was the guy who was doing it, yeah. you know, and I've actually heard from a couple of creators who were working on projects there, you know, so they had a lot of things in the works and they're gone. Now, now we've been talking about how I, I, I tried to investigate Aftershock's output has really slowed. Okay. And just today they put an announcement. One of their books was option like whoop de doo uh, that's awesome. It's awesome that you got an option. You know, that's only low five figures, if that. I mean, it's not going to save the co- company. And uh, we could have a whole podcast. But it could about- pay some bills. It could pay some bills. Yes. Maybe uh, it'll pay my bill. Uh, <laughs> where's my money, honey? Uh, so, so Valiant has been struggling for a while. They are on a, a radical, uh, you know, caloric restriction diet of putting out one book a month, one bloodshot book a month, I believe. And uh, I reached out to them to comment and they had no comment. They're just, you know, muddling along, I guess is the best word for it. It sounds like they're doing the amount technically required in order to technically not be on hiatus. Yes. So they are not on hiatus. However... They're damn close. Another company might be on hiatus. So, Calvin, you've been investigating yet another company. Well, I mean, we we have some reports that, you know, that Heavy Metal had uh, basically been telling some of its vendors that um, they're not in position at this moment to pay some scheduled payments, (laughs) Uh uh, that um, they would be in touch. Basically, they're, they're basically... Holding off on payment, and in I'm fact, sorry, we're are in the midst. Embarrassed. They're in the midst of a restructuring, uh, which can mean a lot of different things. I did yeah. reach out to the CEO Matthew Medney, who is also a cre- a creator mm-hmm. of theirs. Uh, I will say this: they did respond. Matthew did say, uh, did confirm this. Um, uh, and I'm not going to go into great detail. I'm going to actually reach out and talk with him a bit more. So there will be more to come on this. But he basically said, look, that they are facing what a lot of people in the industry are facing. They're facing um, a cash flow problems. They're dealing with uh, supply chain issues and delays, uh, inflation, but also the inability to raise prices on their products. Um, so they are looking to stabilize. They've hired a CFO. Uh, they are restructuring the country, which can mean company, which can mean a lot of things, both good and bad. Uh, so I'm not going to speculate at this point, but, uh, we, there will be more to come. Uh, I do give them credit for being transparent yeah, that and, was, that was and responding, yeah. uh, yeah. to our reaching out to them. Yeah. So there's some financial distress yeah. and it's getting passed on to the yeah. So more to come on, uh, heavy metal and, and all of these. Yeah. I, I that mean, we're it's, listen, about. Uh, Aftershock, Valiant and heavy metal are all at the very, uh, most positive look restructuring in some way. Yeah. They are restructured their how they do their business. Now the next two things that we have on our list, because yes, this is just the start, um, is probably well, okay, Dead Reckoning is the the graphic novel uh, line at the Naval Institute, uh, led by Gary Thompson, and I think we've had him on the podcast, haven't we? Oh, I've definitely, yeah. and I've, I've interviewed him both at uh, I think on the pot on. Just the studio podcast yeah. and at and at comic yeah, conventions yeah. Well, as well. Yeah, well, he's definitely been covering this imprint since it launched. Uh, launched. Uh, we uh-huh, would use uh-huh. any naval uh, pun we want <laughs> with this. It set sail. Yes, yeah, so since this since this set sail, and you know, but now it looks like their scuppers are frosted over, and they've got to cut the mainsail because. Um, uh, so word on uh, word on the street uh, is that Thompson has been laid off, and you know, look, it's the end of the year because companies love to lay people off just before the holidays because it's really just a wonderful time to sock yes. people and tell them. They don't have a job, so uh, everywhere it's a, there's a lot more of that but, that we're going to be Heidi, talking about. They didn't do it the week before Christmas; they did it the week before. The That's week true. Before they Christmas. did it just right after. Usually, do it right after the Christmas party. You know, well, this this is unfortunate. I, I mean, uh, Gary is the founding editor yeah. of of Dead Reckoning. Uh, they are they're really a new wave publisher in the sense that they basically uh, have a list that's aligned with the Naval Institute, which is basically a think tank about you know. You, you know the the, uh, the American Navy. <laughs> Excuse well, I mean, me. Um, and they've done. They have an incredible line of both fiction and serious nonfiction aimed at the military. That's really inventive, really uh, innovative in terms of how they're approaching looking at military history. So hopefully we will see, uh, you know, a continuing of the imprint as opposed to. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, the I worst feel that like could happen. yeah. I hope it doesn't founder on the rocks. Yeah, to have right. a shipwreck. Yeah, I mean, well, I think I think this goes back to something Heidi said a little earlier in the podcast, which is, who are these books for? Right, like Dead Reckoning is awesome, and these books are great. But I have to say that. When it set sail, I did wonder how much of a market it was and how many books it could support. And, you know, when you do something new and ambitious, sometimes you need to scale back eventually. I mean, it doesn't mean it was a bad idea. It just means some experiments, the finances just don't work out. Yeah, and I have no confirmation that this line is shutting down, by the way. I mean, they do have books that are continuing to come out. but But Thompson being gone... Would be, a, you know, like... A yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. It is concerning. It is concerning. A lot of the reason why this is happening is not... Is exactly what Kate was saying. Who is the audience for these books? Uh, and some people thought that the audience for these books was an executive at Netflix. <laughs> and uh, Netflix has brutally shut down their own, um, you know, the whole streaming business. There, You know, there's a glut of content on streaming. Nobody can possibly watch all these shows. And so everybody's re, rethinking, relooking, re, uh, you know, right down city, man. It's right down city over at, uh, at Warner mm, Brothers yeah. Discovery, which we're going to get to actually more. We have so much to cover this week. At, Far more know. at Warner Brothers than at Netflix. Yes. Netflix says that they're going to do it and their, their stock is tanked, but they still haven't actually cut the yeah. pipeline and, as much as they're, they have. They're, they would have to do a lot to get close to what Warner Brothers seems to be. Yeah. Sidling up. But, but the, the, basically, there's, you know, it was a buyer's market for IP just yeah. six months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now it's not. There is a glut of Bubbles IP. Bubbles don't last. Bubbles don't last. There's a glut of IP of, of, of IP that like these comics. Who really wants this? You know, I, I mean, didn't they just cancel Wednesday at Netflix? I mean, this was a show that was about Wednesday at It was a hit. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a hit. It, it was a hit as far I mean, I haven't seen it, but um, all I do is read about it. Did it really cancel? Yeah, the fans seem to think it's been canceled. Okay, so it's not necessarily absolutely canceled. But, I mean, they certainly have canceled a lot of things, uh, popular things. And so, yeah, the market for – it's it's now it is a buyer's market for IP. And um, a lot of these comic book companies were – you know – like basing their business model on getting some kind of hit streaming show and we you know we've seen a lot of shows picked up i mean the list is too long to even go into and uh but as i've been talking to a lot of people this week because when you reach out to someone a lot of times they say when you slide into their mentions they're like i need to talk to you and uh they talk on the phone wow remember that remember when people just talk on the phone well it still goes on Still does go on, especially when people don't want to put things in writing. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, I talked to one executive at one of the companies that, that we mentioned here, and it was off the record, so I, I can't say, but I was like, do you think that the IP love affair, you know, the love affair with comics IP is over? And he's like, no, not at all. I mean, it's still incredibly popular stuff, uh, you know, very creative. Bus. Yeah, it's very robust. So, you know, we're- boom and bust. Boom and bust. We're seeing a- correction that is absolutely needed and we're going to hear more guys i mean yeah. this is five companies this week i'm hearing mm-hmm. a lot of rumors about other things i don't want to put them out there Cause but they're rumors because they're rumors but do not be surprised and, and let's remember as you said there are multiple issues in the market right now other than a lot of content oh yes oh, yeah. yeah uh there's just the ability to to print your content mm-hmm. is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and to get anything out on time is incredibly yeah. difficult so you know the supply chain is real. Uh, the fancy feast shortage has just ended. Okay, like I might have even talked about this before, but there was a huge shortage of fancy feast cat food, which is the only kind of cat food <laughs> my cats will eat, and a lot of cats love it because it's like McDonald's. But uh, in April, there was no fancy feast, and I would say to the people, like, when when when's it coming back? And they're like, end of the year. And you know, I went to Petco, and guess what? I made a video for TikTok. Check out my TikTok; it's up there. There is bursting with fancy fees now. And that's just how the supply chain is, you know. Yeah. But they said it was going to be the end of the year, and they were right. And yeah, you had to mail order your cat food. Yeah, yeah. So one other thing. I did. I got mine from Amazon. Cats got to eat. Yeah. Number one, 
number one, make sure cats can get food they like. Uh, otherwise, very bad things. Uh, just another important thing that, uh, Brett Schenker and his story about these late payments to creators pointed <clears throat> out something that I've heard several people, uh, confirm, which is there was a little bit of a PPP loan hangover amongst <laughs> a lot of companies. So a lot of companies got PPP loans. And, um, during the pandemic, a lot of comics publishers did. You can go look at the list. I ran a whole story. Mm-hmm. Everybody got some money and they kind of were like, you know, woohoo, <laughs> you know, living high on their, uh, on these, these, this money and expanding. And now I'm not saying sales weren't great. For sure they were because we know that book sores sailed. Yeah. So book sales soared, book sales soared during the pandemic. Uh, things that you did at home, help, you know, self-help, a lot of things that soared during the mm. pandemic, meal kits, these kinds of things. Comics. Kids comics. Kids <laughs> comics, yeah. Well, they're still doing well. Yeah. Dogman's number one book yeah. this week. But, um, so yeah, a lot of people, when that PPP money ran out, uh, they were left not with a income stream that could, could, could keep up the lifestyle to which they were accustomed. Mm. Yeah. So, so we, yeah, so there, there's going to be more to come on this. You know, there will be further reporting. Oh yes, uh, as we get into the new year. Yeah. Well, one other thing where people aren't getting paid—that's <laughs> our theme today—is, <laughs> and you're going to be shocked. Yeah, this. shocked. So shocking. So shocking. NFTs. <sighs> there's gambling in this in this establishment. Oh my well, not god. Not only that, but this <laughs> this vaguely criminal establishment doesn't pay its workers? No, I don't I, We shouldn't chuckle. People well, have lost we, a lot. Well, I will say that <laughs> I about people's I, paid. Yeah. I I wrote a story about this and uh the the got quote tw- you know pretty much went viral on my Twitter uh and then the quote tweets were just brilliant. I mean, it was every every uh, variation of what my sarcastic uh, what gambling <laughs> that we just did here? Um, but Calvin, I don't know if you did you ever talk to in the early days of NFTs, like last winter of twenty one. <laughs> yes. Did you ever talk to someone trying to talk you into it and saying, and you know, the best part is that every time this artwork is sold, the original creator will get a royalty. Were you I, told that? Were you I ever have told heard that? people talk about that. I've heard that be yep. part of people's pitches. And, and, and to be sure, this is a, this is a huge issue among artists across the board. The secondary market. What happens after you sell the first piece that goes to someone else who takes it and resells it? Uh, uh, maybe just on the basis of your reputation, maybe you become much more famous. Uh, you don't get a dime from this. This is, this is a, a, a problem, uh, a challenge to artists since the early since the beginning of art and certainly in the overheated art market and now the overheating NFT mm-hmm. art market yeah. of today. Uh yes, NFTs were pitched as somehow or other solving this problem. Although you know what I did not realize is that these these claims of uh, royalties were actually not guaranteed. Well, the, but I mean, that's the thing. Every, you know, there was a couple things that when people there, were pitching me on NFTs, they said, you know, they said it's about creators' rights, yeah. Calvin. Yes. Creators' I, I rights. I heard this pitch, and, yes. and they, and it was pitched to me over and over again that one of the best part was these are smart contracts. They're track so, And so that it's, yes. it's immutable because it's, you know, it's immutable because it's an electronic file on a system of computers and yes. nobody could possibly destroy that ever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but the smart contract will pay the original creator whenever it's resold. So guess what? Turns out that is bullshit. Bullshit. And Kate, There's an on and off switch. Yeah. Folks. Uh, so there is. <laughs> and the artists don't decide whether the switch is on or it's, off. It's, they, it, it, it turns out you just honor. Yes. The it's option. Just honor the contract. It's a tip. It's, and well, it's it's not actually uh, how we put this. Legally, you're supposed to honor a contract, but they act as though this is a wonderful favor they're doing to you. But see, the, the thing is, these are these are it's it's not it's it's actually not a contractual requirement. It's a contractual option. Yeah, they can pay it or not pay it. 
So mm-hmm. this is what, and it, or so this is what it, it, what my reading leads me to. Well, I, I thought they just they were supposed to, but they just weren't. They, they, yeah, they yeah. they agreed yeah. to do it, <laughs> but it's not it. a contractual yeah, not on, because Contracts don't don't compel you to do it. It is something that you ha- you can have the right to do if you so choose. Because guess what? And encouraged NFT sales are down ninety nine percent. And and it also seems that there's also a lot of gaming of the marketplace going on around NFTs. To generate uh, tokens on various platforms, uh, it's easier to, to sort of trade NFTs between each other, ratchet up their value in some kind of online game that has nothing to do with the artists that are involved, everything to do with enriching whoever's buying or fake selling. And so it's really uh, – it's we've been had. You've been took. I am shocked. I stole shocked. Um or so my reading suggests. And you know, let me point out, a lot of these companies that we're talking about went heavy on NFTs. I know heavy metal went heavy on NFTs. You know, and heavy metal, just to get back to that for a minute, uh, I know they had a big NFT sale and then, you know, mm. that, that slowed. And, you know, also, Calvin, when you're talking to Matthew Mendy, ask him about whatnot because I thought they partnered Yeah, you know, that's whatnot. a I, – actually – and for those who yeah. don't, aren't familiar, they announced the, uh, this was, was this right around New York Comic Con? Right, it was just before, it was one of those yeah. day, day they before announced the con a deal, uh, with whatnot, which is kind of a collectible marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, and they do all kinds of collectibles from comics to, you know, I guess, uh, uh, action figures and all the, the whole like, that, um, whatnot, which launched its own publishing division, I think a couple of more months before that, they entered into, uh, according to our story, a partnership with heavy metal in which basically they took over on the surface of it. It seems interesting. They took over all of the production side, the, uh, the printing, mm-hmm. uh, and the distribution, uh, and heavy metal handles, the editorial, obviously hiring the artists, you know, delivering, you know, finished content and their partner would handle, make sure you know, that it's printed and delivered to retailers. Right. Ah, um, uh, well, Jesus, what happened to that? And they claimed that this was saving them huge money. It was much more efficient. So this is something else that we'll, we will certainly try to find out a little bit more about this deal and, yeah. and um, what it means yeah, or yeah, doesn't just mean. Just lengthened your supply chain. And yeah. I mean, not getting into, sorry, I am making noise because I'm so excited. I'm tapping my pen on my desk because I'm so excited about this uh, NFT story. Um, but yeah, I, the open sea is the biggest NFT. Now I've learned, I've managed to learn enough mm. to make sound like I kind of know what I'm talking about here, but believe me, I don't really understand it, but open sea is the biggest marketplace yeah. for NFTs. And, uh, they said that, uh, they were all of a sudden they were like, Oh, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to be able to honor these, these contracts, which do say they supposed to get paid about, you know, 5% or 10% mm. royalty paid by the reseller. So like if you, you know, I buy Beeple's thing for $69 million, and then when I sell it for $69, I'm supposed to give them 10% of that. Yeah. So, um, but then OpenSea said they weren't going to honor it, and then there was an outcry, an outcry, I say, uh, about, uh, not, not paying this. And then the, the, Devin Finzer, who's the CEO and co-founder of OpenSea, uh, said his team was surprised. <laughs> by the level of pushback, which attributed to the quote ambiguity of how we were handling existing collections, uh, our goal there was really to start a conversation with creators, conversation. and I, I, I think we really did in many ways. <laughs> you sure did. I can only imagine what that conversation was a, like. A lot of people came out super active, wanting to tell us their perspective. In some ways, while it was a mixed reaction, it was actually a really healthy discussion. Yeah. Oh, I it am sure shocked. Shocked. I tell you. Shocked. I mean, apparently from what I've written and, and you know, cap, you know, full disclosure. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I barely I mean, I look, I I've, I've read up on MFTs. I have a you know, a simpleton's grasp of what it means. Um, but as I understand it, um these NFT marketing um platforms are incredibly competitive and they've all been canceling these royalties um and passing on the savings against to their traders because they can make more money mm-hmm. if they don't pay royalties to artists. 
Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Where have we heard Surprise. that before? Yes, Surprise. you don't pay the people that who create Surprise. the art. You save so much money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Calvin, as I also put in my article, you know, this made me think. It made me think because so many people told me this was the best part of NFTs was that creators yeah. would get royalties I, on resales. I, I heard and, that but, claim or, as well. Yeah, yeah, but it made me think if that wasn't true, which it wasn't, it was not true. It is still something you honor. It isn't something that happens automatically with a smart freaking contract. Maybe proof-of-stake blockchains use less energy is also a lie. Well, it could be. I mean, I once again, I don't really understand yeah. it. Obviously, uh, they, what's that? It's on the Ethereum platform. Yes. Uh, it's a, <laughs> been a huge deal. Um, so going forward, we'll have to find out. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first giant lie in the land of blockchain, as witness what went down with FTX. Oh yeah. Well, well we're living in a general climate now yeah. of uh, of of really. Crypto skepticism I, now, but I mean this. I mean I know you know this, this podcast listeners. was crypto skeptic all along. Yeah, yeah, we've been crypto skeptics all along, so we get to say "I told you so" all we want because I just and I like I said I know everybody knows this, but it was FTX that ran those ads with Larry David. Oh yeah, saying you know ah just don't see it, and then then you know I'm saying well don't be like this fool, you know, and uh, ha ha. Yeah, and and, and uh, speaking of told you so, I'm cackling. Um, I now can say this is an extremely deep cut, listeners. Uh, I now can say that uh, my suspicion that fans of uh, Harry Potter and the methods of rationality were probably crazy <laughs> seems to be backed up because um, Sam Bankman Fried's girlfriend and the oh. head of Alameda Research, one of his co-workers, Carolyn Ellison, was a super fan of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, a, uh, a, a Harry Potter fanfic that became extremely popular amongst people who said, I'm better than you because I'm more rational. It, I am JF and I'm better than you. Yes. Uh, in which it was like, wouldn't everything have been better for Harry Potter if he were just more rational? Absolutely, boy. He could take over the, the wizarding world if he only knew scientific method. Well, the more we're finding out about uh, Sam uh, Bankman-Fried and uh, Carolyn uh, Ellison, Carolyn yeah. Ellison is that they're they're kind of low on rationality themselves. Yeah, they're, this is they're, a sad tale, right? They're big on thinking they have rationality, yeah. and then they turn around and do things that aren't very rational. So, and, and, you know, look. This is really a panic, really. It We're is in a, a panic over crypto. It is. And look, People I'm, have lost vast sums of money. And I want to say, I do think the, you know, you you talked about NFTs. You know, you're artists. You did an NFT. You are canceled, canceled, canceled. Uh, I don't agree with yeah. that. I'm like, you know what? People, take the money and run. Yeah. Take the money and run. If you did some good art... That got turned into NFTs. Uh, good, good for you. Yeah. Good and, for and you. And if you got actual money for it, take the money. Yeah, and take run. the money and, and run. And if you didn't Fine get the that. money for it, eh, you know, sell the art somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, now I should say, I don't think any of this means NFTs are going to go away. I mean, hopefully, it's going to put them on uh, the pathway to a firmer footing. I mean, really, it, the strange thing about the blockchain is it's, it's sort of been um, sold to us as not needing regulation to, to cut out. You know the the heavy hand of government, but I think ultimately, if this if this um, brave new world is going to work, that's what it needs. But you well, know. it either needs regulation or people need to come to understand what lack of regulation means. Yeah, and I'm, understand that you are taking a gamble every time you put money uh, yeah, into it absolutely. because nothing is backing that up. And I think you know, folks like us who have been NFT skeptics and blockchain skeptics from the jump. You know, have been made to feel like, you know, okay, boomer. And it's like, you know, you're, oh, regulation. I mean, you know, people today don't need, you know, DAOs. Those are. That's so that, That's all. That's totally. That's totally. I mean, I was told by somebody who has a crypto, a crypto farm in his backyard. I said, I just don't get it. And then he was like, look, you're not the audience. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, oh yeah. boy. Well, I'm out of touch. You know, not yeah. the audience. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I, listen, but, I'm happy to be Larry David. Yeah. All right? Well, I mean, I, I think. He's there supposed- are benefits to a lack of regulation, but there are downsides. If you need to get money out of the country really fast, Bitcoin's your friend. 
if 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 you want to make an investment, uh, I'll be over here with the regulated investments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, okay. We've been talking about things that aren't going well, but some parts of comics are going really great, right, Kate? Well, they're going really great places that aren't the United States, or they're going great in the United States for things from other places. Now, some business models that boomed during the pandemic have been more sustainable than others, and one that has been very sustainable indeed is webtoons. So webtoons have been as which is to say app native web comics which are monetized in a method that was pioneered in Asia, in Korea and Japan and China yeah. have finally reached maturation in the United States, a good five to ten years after yeah. they did Eastern World. Um, and so only now is it really reaching peak here. But the pandemic really, really did great, great guns for them. So even as the traditional manga market the print manga market, and this is an important distinction, it's not necessarily a matter of countries, it's a matter of medium, um, has shrunk by about 2.3% last year, um, down to approximately $1.9 billion. The global webtoons market, which includes webtoons from Japan, it was valued at $3.7 billion. $3.7 billion. Billion. So it is now, the global webtoons market as a whole is now almost twice as big as the print manga market. Now that global webtoons market includes a lot of things that are manga, which got imported to that format. But it, it does say something about how successful that format is. Um... A large number of Japanese and Korean dramas are being adapted from uh, webtoon native webtoon native comics um, that that may never see print. Um, and while Japan is creating some of this content, Koreans feel like they really are leading the way. And indeed, a lot of this content, while some's coming from China, some's coming from Japan, a lot of it's coming from Korea. And a lot of the, in the, the two companies that in the United States are really, really leading the way and, and running the market, uh, Webtoon and Tapas are both Korean based companies. Yeah, uh, this, good uh, overview, actually. It's yeah. a good, it's yeah. a good overview. I will say, uh, you know, I ran a story about Tappy Tune. Yeah, I mean, we know about Tapas. We know about Webtoon. There's a lot of other, there's other yeah, yeah. web comic companies. Mm-hmm. One of them is called uh, Tap. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say also Rands. I just say there's, you know, just like there's Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. there's, uh, and there's Scholastic and Random House. There is, um, you know, there's there's Tappy Tune tells us that they have 7 million viewers yeah. and they just sent out like, uh, yeah. you know, they're also, they're, they're all trying to get in on the, mm. the U.S. market. So, and I will say that, 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 that this, this numbers that you just quoted are from this study that came out. Um, that was put together by the live market research. The live market research. Now, I don't really know. Now, it costs five thousand dollars to read the whole thing, so obviously nobody in the comics industry is going to be able to afford to read it. But um, it claims uh, the top line you could see is that yeah, this number, this three point seven billion dollar uh, number, is projected to reach fifty six point one billion by twenty thirty. Now, I don't believe that. Well, that's a projection, yeah. and I don't think yeah. it's a no, good one. No, yeah. and, and, you know, I would like to know 
who projected who it. projected it where did the study come from who did it how did they do it we don't know unless you pay five thousand dollars but i'll tell you one thing every pitch deck that's going out to try to get money for all these companies that are distressed and you know anytime i put anyone who puts together a pitch deck is going to be using these numbers so thank you yeah. tappy tune thank you webtoon whoever put together this Great. Well, we got a wonderful. We should also mention that we're in a kind of a contradictory market because obviously in North America, uh, the print market business is growing really kind of quickly fast alongside of the webtoons market, which is also extremely mm-hmm. popular. Yeah. Right. And we also know that the print manga business in Japan, the motherland of manga, um, has kind of been on decline for years at the top end of it. It has been shrinking, uh, you know, a bit for, for lots of reasons. Right. So it's a contradictory market and all of this is kind of happening at once. So we're in the midst of this kind of uh, areas of of the of uh the webtoon, which is also, in my view, a very heavily manga influenced well, yeah, industry. Even if you don't want to call it manga, well, I mean, I, it, though it's but, very different. Obviously, it is a different medium. Well, like I was saying, it's you have to do some disambiguation here, yeah, because a lot of what's being counted. As webtoon is when they say webtoon, they don't just mean webtoons from Korea. They mean everything flowing into that type of platform, yeah. and that does include a lot of digital manga. But we're, we're yeah. disambiguating mm-hmm. all of the Asian webtoons from the mm-hmm. ones that are just manga, just in print. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's really contradictory at all. In that, I think that even as print manga is growing in the United States, the webtoons are growing even more. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. So well, they're free and they're on your phone. That is an advantage. <laughs> and even when you buy them, they're generally speaking inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And able to be bought in small increments. And to disambiguate even further, we should, in some ways, what we're really focusing on are vertical scroll yeah, mobile web comics right, they, that are created that the syntax, the visual syntax is not, it's not page based. I mean, there's a, there's, look, there's a lot of manga out here that, that's being transported over the, the full page as we know comics to be. But these very often, the, the, the equivalent of a page in, in the webtoon world is often a single panel. And a single image, literally a sequential image. So it's a very different structure in the visual syntax that, you, that they use for to tell stories. Right, and you can you can do artistic things with the infinite scroll. Yes. Um, and it's got a slightly different visual language of formatting. Yes. Yes. But if you create a manga in that scrolling format, it's still a manga. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, it's just not all of it is. Um, yeah. I think if you listen to some of our back episodes, you will see us laughing at some very ham-handed and ill-thought-out attempts to figure out how do you put a comic page on a phone. And they How do had... you put the comics page on a phone? Yes. And so there was <laughs> little animations, <laughs> and there was pinch and scroll, there's this and that. And sometimes the best answer is the simplest, which is make it the right size for the phone in the first place. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. Killer app. Mm-hmm. They found the killer app. <laughs> so these really are native. I mean, these are kind of native comics to, to, to phone reading culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, we're going. No, I, and I they mean, serialize with the same kind of ease and simplicity and addictiveness as a television show or a floppy comic in the long gone age of the news, newsstand. You know, it, it really has that, that addictive bite sized chunk serialization. That we've been missing. Yeah, in the well, for you know, a while. but com, yeah, and you know, and I mean, enormously popular. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about um, the decline of uh, periodical printed comics. Oh yeah, um, but you know, the serialization has really been picked up by mm-hmm. by web comics by mm-hmm. by webtoons. Okay, and these I are mean, overwhelmingly just, serialized just, comics. Just, without, oh, they're yeah. all serialized. Yeah, they're all serialized. Yeah, um, uh, they're incredibly popular. They're native to phones and mobile, you know, computing of all kind. Um, I mean, sites like Webtoon, 
which is the name of a company as well as, you know, the, the name of a the format. Uh, and Tapas Media and Tappy Tunes, we mentioned. These, I mean, obviously, Tappy Tunes, um, uh, traffic, you know, is much smaller. But Still they're big. reporting enormous numbers, tens of millions mm-hmm. of viewers every month. Uh, so we really are in a really important time in commerce. We're, we're at a huge transitional, we're just uh, in a huge transitional tool, phase. Yeah, absolutely. And, and business models change. And the business models are changing. The reader is changing. The, the, yes. the kinds of readers are changing. How they, the platforms are changing. The delivery methods are changing. Well, I, I, and I, I think the old methods are going to remain. I, you know, I am not hearing in all of this that comic shops are dying or ending or anything, you know. I mean, I'm looking at Publishers Weekly on the front page. The number one book in the country this week is Cat Kid Comic Club number four, a graphic novel from the creator of Dogman. Um, you might even say it's the best of times. It's the worst, the worst of times. Worst of times. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, it's evolution. Yeah. It is evolution that and, we're seeing. And I think my suspicion, and I could be wrong, listeners, if you're listening to this five years from now and I'm totally wrong, Write in, tell me I'm wrong. Um, from the future, I think that this is going to benefit comics as much, if not more, than the heavy bringing in of manga and graphic novels into the mainstream bookstore. I think this, just like that manga boom and the following graphic novel boom in the late 90s, early 2000s, is going to help bring in new readers as well as satisfying old ones. And mm-hmm. that's all to the good. More think, comics for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And more people. Listen, it's never been the format. People like comics. Yeah. Like everyone has, I always said back in the day, everybody's got a Peanuts or a Calvin and Hobbes or, you know, a comic strip clipped to their refrigerator. You know, now they have a web comic clipped there or their phone <laughs> clipped to okay. their lock, or their, you know, their, their lock their screen. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. A screenshot. <laughs> yeah, they have a screenshot of it. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is just evolution. I'd like to throw in real quickly. I mean, we still have some big topics to cover, but yeah. uh, global comics, um, you know, c- comicsology. That is one. Well, this was going to be our year in review episode, but because so much news happened this week, we couldn't do it. So we're going to have to push it and punt it to the first week of the new year, 23. But, um, you know, one of the big stories absolutely is comicsology being absorbed by Amazon. Now, there's a lot of little companies like Inky Pen and this and that and yeah, out there still doing digital comics. And Global Comics is one of them. Uh, but, I, you know, they've been sending me numbers and their numbers are growing. And I see a lot of very positive comments from creators. They kind of picked up the um comic style comicsology submit kind of program where people uh-huh. could submit their mm-hmm. comics to be to be converted and and um and sold on this platform. So, you know, look, they're small. They sent me numbers that didn't have an index. So, they're small. Their numbers mm-hmm. are nothing to boast about or they would have put them on there. Mm-hmm. But uh I just want to point out that there are a lot of small little platforms that are chugging along in all this. And you know, no one I've talked to is says this is the end of the comics industry at all. This is just a market correction, evolution, change. Yeah, and I mean, listeners, it's saying something that no one's saying this is the end of the comics industry. Yeah, absolutely. Because famously, comics folks love to say everything <laughs> yes, they love to is predict. the That's end right. of the comics That's right. No one loves to predict the end of comics than comics industry people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, so there you have it. I think the comics industry has ended about three times a year for the last 10 years <laughs> of this podcast. You are correct. Keeps us in business. That's why anyway. we do it. <laughs> All right. All right. What else do we have there? Well, uh, <sighs> I think we should be hitting DC Studios oh, yeah. about this we time. Should. Well, if you thought what was going on in the comics industry was tumultuous, uh, com- DC Dis- uh, Warner Brothers Discovery just said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Whew. Okay. Well, we reported, I think, last time we were together that uh, they finally found their Feige, FFF. Uh, which is Dave, uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, and they formed DC Studios. And since then, we've been seeing a lot of, um, changes. Uh, a lot of changes. But you know, James Gunn is on the Twitters, um, all the time. He, he very promptly quashes rumors and, you know, gives information where he can. Uh, so when Black Adam came out, Henry Cavill, uh, you know, looking enthusiastic as only he can, because he loves to look enthusiastic, and he was like, I'm back as Superman! And, 
he made a little cameo and uh you know the rock was all about having his own dc universe anyway uh last night um james gunn tweeted uh just so you know i'm paraphrasing i'm not reading it verbatim but uh we had some meetings and you know we're going forward with superman but it's going to be a younger superman so henry cavill will not be playing the role and uh simultaneously henry cavill posted a very sad instagram so it's a little little his his very sad instagram was very much to the tune of i love superman I'm glad that Superman's continuing to go forward. All love to DC. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, good luck. Yeah, he good was luck. Classy. Yeah, yeah he was classy. classy. But but you know, James Gunn was like, oh, and, you know, we talked about some exciting projects, and then Henry Cavill is like, I wish you well with your endeavors. Yes, yes. So it's like, oh, we're a little Rashomon here. Uh, so that one's very clear. Smashing. Very clear cut. Oh, and look, I'm just looking right now. Henry Cavill's next play, Warhammer Forty Thousand. Well, you know what? Good for you, Henry Cavill. You yeah. will not be out of work very. He long. was a good Superman. I'm he was like, a good, I'm, you know, he was a very good Superman. What do you, Kate, what do you think of that? I think he was a good Superman who was given some bad movies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that didn't hurt his quality. Of Not Superman. at all. He was a good Superman. He was a good Superman Henry, with bad movies. You were a good Superman. Now, um, meanwhile, oh, go ahead, oh, but Kate. See, the thing is, in context, uh, HBO Plus has been canceling things left and right. And not just canceling them, but yoinking them mm. from the app with people suspect and big name projects with people suspecting that they are going to try to sell them to other platforms to make their money back. Mm. Because, uh, the Nevers, which had Joss Whedon had been involved in, um, and which was a big, big ticket, like vaguely super heroic fantasy thing set in the Victorian era that got pulled, didn't it isn't just being canceled. It is being taken off the app. Uh, Westworld is going to be taken off the app. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty big, high profile. They did say that they're they're going to license them out. I mean, they're, they're doing yeah. it to make money. So, you know, probably yeah. some other but, net lit is going to pick them up. But I yeah. think the fact that these major projects, some of which are completed, are being pulled and are being sold elsewhere... I think it speaks to probably what the motivations are going on with things at DC. I think there's a lot of uh, DC studios. Well, nothing is safe. Nothing is safe. Yeah, Um, nothing is safe. Belts are being tightened and people are doing things that they might not normally do in order to make a little money back. Well, we got Superman's belt tightened and we know where it is. But, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, uh, the other big shock Rooney. Yeah. Yeah. Shaka Rudy Rue was, uh, so this was more like a he said, she said sort of thing where, uh, it was leaked that Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, uh, had gone into DC or Warner Brothers studio heads with her treatment of the third Wonder Woman movie, which has been long planned, uh, co-written by Jeff John. So if you want to, you know, there's yeah. a lot of conspiracy mm-hmm. theories about him. So if you want to jump in on that, uh, there you go. Uh, and they were like, no, we can't, we can't do this because uh, James and Peter are doing their thing. Now, some accounts differ. Some say she was angry and said, well, I'm not going to do anything now. And then mm. uh, she had, was forced to post a big, long thing on her own social media saying, look, I, you know, they just said we're going in a different direction. Well, so it, what am I supposed to do? Well, there was there was more to it than that. What she was saying is she admitted to having some um, – <clears throat> Differences of opinion yes, yes. with them yes. on potential future avenues for the mm, character. Yeah. They said they didn't like her treatment. She said, okay, what do you want to do instead? And then they just said, uh, not you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman 2 is a little problematic for me. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I'm really sort of disheartened to, yeah. that Gail Godot. Well, I thought the first one was great. I the thought first one was terrific. Was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Gail Godot may stick around. They didn't say they're yeah. getting rid of well, her. Well, however, if you're throwing Henry Cavill away, like Gal Gadot uh, put out this, you know, and she's put out this tweet was like, oh, I loved playing Wonder Woman. What the honor of my, I'm sorry, I'm doing a Gal Gadot accent, but, um, <laughs> you know, I did Henry Cavill. Yes, too. <laughs> it wasn't very good. It was no better than my Henry Cavill. But anyway, and, and then people are like, huh, that's odd. And then, you know, obviously she started to say, hey, look at me. I, I like Wonder Woman. I like Wonder Woman. Don't, don't boo me. So I would be very surprised to see her. It sounds yeah. like Gunn and Saffron. Yeah, are they're, they're, cleaning they want a new house slate. of the Snyderverse because they have a whole year of Snyderverse. They have 
um, the Shazam movie coming out. They have the Accursed Flash movie coming out. They have God. Aquaman 2 coming out, you know, yeah. and, and then they have the Blue Beetle coming out. They have four movies next year. Theoretically uh, coming out. No, they're going to come out. No, they're, they're commit. Well, you're, Kate, you're right. Nothing is, nothing is nothing certain is anymore. Sacred. Nothing is sacred. Right. And, 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 it's all one? in play. Right. Yeah. Nothing is certain. I, right. Yeah. And, and some of them may get sold to mm-hmm. streaming platforms to make their money back. We don't know. Anything is possible. Well, things I, seem to be going to streaming sooner, right? Well, Am that's I wrong? what I mean. But what yeah. I'm saying is instead of putting it on their own streaming app, no, I see, I see. selling it to a different one in order to get their money. Hmm. And, I mean, the Accursed Flash one may not even see theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, uh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, there, who knows? You mentioned I mean, Aquaman, too. Uh, well, there's news around Jason Momoa, too. Well, they're saying maybe he'll play Lobo. And I'm yeah. like, so it just sounds like they're throwing out. Uh, look, I'll say this. As far as the Snyderverse goes. Dun, 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 dun. I think that would be taps. Yes. Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. I think. <laughs> I, I think that if Aquaman two makes the kind of money that Aquaman one did, they will think twice about uh, calling it off. With I don't. You know what? I don't think so. You don't think so? Nope. You don't think they're going to? No, I know. No, song of money no, because it? it it sounds like Gunn has really put together his own slate. It sounds yeah, like, so, and he's writing. A, and you know, also, yeah. I left out kind of one of the most important parts of this whole story is that he said he is writing a new Superman movie that's going to be young Superman. It's not going to be an origin. It's going to be about Superman's early days at Daily Planet. Um, you know, strong Christopher Reeve vibes getting here, guys. Um, so, but I mean, wow. Gunn is on the record as loving Superman. Lo- he's always wanted to do Superman. So, uh, I just think they're going to, and look, I mean, not to be horribly ageist, but, you know, Henry Cavill's 39. Uh, I think Gal Gadot is 36 or 37. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly in movie star terms, they're still very young. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of doing superhero movies, uh, you know, recast with somebody who's 25 years old for all of these roles and uh, for the next and decade. it's kind of interesting. I wonder if, you know, if the, the more recent Batman movie was a model because we had a, we had a much different Batman with Patterson in there mm-hmm. than we're used to seeing. Well, and I, I think aimed at a much younger audience. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think definitely very I think Gen Z continues with the Warner Brothers has been rolling the dice and experimenting because things aren't sticking largely. And frankly, I mean, I would be more surprised if they officially deep six Gal Gadot before they know that the Gunverse is actually making the money and that they deep six Jason Momoa before they know the Gunverse is making the money because Mm. those actors are heavily identified with the characters and those movies made money but uh, no offense to our soon to be passed Superman but he's one of so many Supermen that uh, it's our bat there's so many batmen that like recasting it is like a blip in people's you know why i have a prediction right now the flash is set to come out in the summer and aquaman 2 delayed for like three years i mean it's been in the can for a while set to come out at christmas i have a feeling they're going to swap that and then the flash who's you know which is about different realities as we know when the flash enters the speed force he changes time and reality and uh whatever is that cut scene at the end of the Flash will set up, open up the gun, open up the gun, will create the gun verse. And I, I that's just, interesting. You know, yeah. they have a beautiful opportunity to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a, a opportunity. You know, to say Sinara Zach, and uh, you know, one thing just to to, to I, I I need to write my unified field theory of all the things I've heard over the years. But there's two things about just the setup at Warner Brothers that have created this one is that it's very much about fiefdoms it's very much about you know you have your little siloed business and the he has his little siloed business and sometimes you squabble over things it's not like disney where synergy or verticals whatever they call it now it's all about the cooperation um so warner brothers inherently has this kind of um chaotic setup and also i've said this before but 
It is, they don't like superheroes. It's very, very institutional at the studio. There's a lot of confusion. They, they just, if you look at everything they've done over the last 20 years and the fits of the starts, remember Wonder Woman ice cream socials or Tim Burton Superman, <laughs> you know, all these fits and starts. They don't get it. Oh, Josh, we, you know, we don't want uh, this, this Justice League, we're scared. Josh Whedon, save us. I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, dumb decision after dumb decision. Uh, so finally, look, hey, props to James Gunn. If he's gone in there and said, hey, you know what? We're ditching Cavill. We're ditching Godot. We're ditching Jenkins. We're ditching this and that and that and that. And we're doing this. And they do it. Good for him. Yeah. Well, I will say that when in the comics, <laughs> we use the Flash to change, quote unquote, everything. <laughs> the Flash and his speed force to change, quote unquote, everything. <laughs> this frequently ends up translating to change everything we feel like and keep whatever yes, we want. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well so said. there's a built-in backdoor if anything they haven't officially gotten rid of 100% for real is something that will make them money they, that they could keep. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, as long as they haven't shown somebody else to be super Aquaman or somebody else to be Wonder Woman, they can get away with the same actors. You, you raise a good point. Okay, so they, I mean, they may just leave yeah, that door you slightly point. open, just in case, just in case. Yeah, I mean, we and know see how the gun I mean, works. we know they have to release this stupid Flash movie starring this problematic Ezra Miller, <laughs> you know, who's a Ugh. multi-crime spree, you know, multi-state why, crime spree. God, why? And but they have to and release yet that it. Woman dies. Uh, and, and yeah, and um, so you know, but hey, what if it's a hit? What if people it's love Ezra Miller? It's not going to be. We'll see. Anyway, more to come. Yes, yes, yes. Well, yes. I think we're out of time. I think uh, we're way over. Yeah, we're a little over. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, there was so much to cover. It's bonanza. End of year bonanza. So, uh, Calvin, I think you and Meg will be doing stargazing next week, right? We're going to do that. We're going to look at the uh, the PW annual uh, holiday gift guide uh, with some choice. Um, comics that pretty late, you yeah. guys. Well, you know, for for you late, for you late last shopper. minute shoppers, last minute shoppers, last yeah. minute shoppers. You we you you're we're uh, connected with last minute podcasters. <laughs> yeah, so. or alternately, <laughs> if you end up with a gift card, now you know what to spend. Well, on. there you go. That's right. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So so, so yeah, so we're going to kick off the new year with a look back at the old year. Yeah. So with, <laughs> yes. And then, so then we're taking a week off as we always do, and then we'll be back in January with our. Uh, we'll have to do our our look back. And then I look forward. Oh, yeah. boy. Whew, what could happen over the next three weeks? Good Lord. Oh, Tune in to the next exciting episode. Yeah. Because yeah. there will be more to come. Look, let, look, let's just, it's the holidays. We're going to be open here. There's a package of chocolate sitting here and Kate's going to eat some. Okay. And I would do the same. <laughs> Kate's just going to do it while I'm talking. This is our holiday broadcast. So bear with us, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It yeah, it's right. And I think the crinkling paper is actually yeah. kind of nice. <laughs>